0: Hello world and welcome to the Moonpig Tech Podcast. My name is Jacob and I'm Richard and today we're going to talk a bit about load testing, what it is, how we do it and for this we have a very special guest today which is our Andy Lowry remotely from our Manchester office. Hello Andy would you mind quickly introducing yourself a bit?
1: Yeah, no problem uh, I'm Andy Lowry I'm the engineering manager for the Tech Foundation's team in Manchester uh, I've been a software developer stroke engineering manager stroke all kinds of other things for the last 20 years uh, so a fair bit of uh, experience in the industry nowadays and worked on very various different uh,
0: projects and very different teams and various different industries uh, so I think the first question kind of like as we always start this is like what what is load testing what
1: is load testing so um, So load testing for us uh, in Moonpig is mainly focused around our peak traffic times uh, and making sure that we have a website that will handle the the traffic that will happen for for these peak periods. So we have four main peak periods over the year. We have uh, Valentine's Day, Mother's Day, Father's Day and Christmas. Uh, and obviously, the, the weeks leading up to these events, uh, there's a lot more people wanting to buy cards and gifts and flowers. Um, <laughs> so we have to make sure that the website can handle all of these people turning up to uh, to buy these uh, cards offers um, uh, during these periods. Uh, what a load testing does is it uh, simulates the traffic that we'd expect to see from these customers. Uh, uh, and basically, we just Throw the traffic at the website and see if it falls over. Uh, and monitor it and make sure it doesn't.
2: <laughs> okay, cool. So, um, so, so we're using it as a tool to to ensure that we're going to be able to cope with the the load that we anticipate in our busy times. Um, how how do you start building something that's going to prove that?
1: So we we did not uh, build our uh, own load testing from scratch. Originally, we we uh, had a third party to write some uh, load testing for us, uh, they wrote it using a tool called JMeter which is a pretty common tool uh, in the industry used by a lot of different companies uh, and they um, wrote a bunch of scripts which uh, what they do is they simulate the browser's uh, HTTP calls to, to, uh, to the website uh, and they simulate journeys that a typical user would do through the website. So for us, there's a journey for uh, buying a card, there's a journey for just customizing the card and then not buying it, and then there's a a journey for buying gifts, and there's a journey for buying a card and then adding a gift, and all these different combinations. Uh, We don't go through every possible combination of the the website, but we go through the ones that we really care about and make sure that they're uh, uh, covered by the the tests. Uh, And then, we, we spin up a set of servers which runs JMeter uh, and it runs all these, these in parallel, throwing lots and lots of traffic at the website and uh, and we just monitor it exactly as we would during a regular uh, peak traffic period. So we monitor the site and make sure it's uh, not going to fall over.
2: Okay, so what is it you're actually looking for then? What, what does success look like?
1: Success looks like... Um, uh, very, we have a hashtag, three hashtags that we like to uh, uh, use. Uh, uh, no dips, uh, uh, no outages, and no performance, degre- deg- no performance degradations. That's a very hard word to say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the, uh, so, uh, Which basically means we don't have a dip in our order rate. So we're, we're getting a constant uh, number of orders coming through the system. Uh, we don't have any outages, so the website is always available. and we don't have any performance degradations. So the website doesn't become unusably slow mm. uh, to the users. Yeah. Uh, we don't want to scare them off by
0: having a slow website. Mm. so so, but that means basically you need to already have a lot of monitoring in place in order to guarantee that you can measure impacts on the, your production system.
1: Yes. Uh, one of the nice things about actually running a load test, and uh, and in particular what we do is we run it against the production version of the website as well, uh, one of the nice things about it is it allows us to test that all of our monitoring systems will actually alert for these issues uh, when things go wrong. Uh, we, we have in the past also run on our, one of our pre-production environments, uh, run it to destruction. So we can actually see what happens in the monitoring when certain things happen. Uh, so, you know, so if we have too many customers all turning up at the same time, more than our servers can cope with, we know what that looks like in our monitoring and our alerting systems. And it means we can test them up front, which is really nice. Uh, and then we use those same systems to monitor the, uh, the load tests as well.
2: I think there was something really important there actually, which we've not been clear on yet, which is that we are running these against production live whilst we're also getting real user traffic on the website, which is a really, really big move, I think. I don't think I've experienced that anywhere else. Um, can you sort of explain how we got to that decision and what benefits it's given us?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's um, it's partly through necessity uh, because the one part of the system we can't test uh with our current load testing system is we can't test the production side so on our regular uh on a regular website on the regular peak on the and uh, as well as people ordering them there's a whole production system on our back end which uh, prints the cards uh, packages them orders the flowers makes sure that all the right flowers and gifts and cards are all in the same place and then sends them off and also Things like taking payments and things like that. Obviously, we can't do that during a during a load test. Can't take real payments, otherwise that'd be extremely expensive. (laughs) Uh, But the uh, uh, so we uh, we run against the production site, so that kind of systems is still going on in the background, and it makes sure that we're not um, we're not damaging those systems. In any way, we're not impacting those systems, and also vice versa, that those systems don't impact the performance of the website. So there's a bit of necessity, but also, you know, we're we're um, we're very confident in our ability to be able to uh, uh, recover from these issues. Uh, the load tests always have the advantage that we can just turn them off. But uh, if uh, if we get into a state where we with with too much damage to the website, but uh, it allows us to, to really believe in our systems and really just test, just like believe that the monitoring is gonna work and we, we understand exactly how to bring the system back up should we cause any problems during the load test. Obviously it's much cheaper to do that at 6 a.m. <laughs> on a random Tuesday weeks before the actual peak. Uh, we don't impact customers so much and it gives us a nice practice run for for when the real peaks happen.
2: Okay, so they start at 6am, how long do they run for?
1: They run for between three to four hours. Uh, we have a ramp up uh, of them, so that it doesn't start, we do not just blasting thousands of users straight at the website from cold, we ramp it up slowly to uh, over a half an hour. Uh, so that allows
2: uh,
1: the various systems that we have that do auto scale to slowly scale up, because we're It'd be unrealistic to throw a thousand users at the website instantly from cold. Uh, <laughs> so we a, uh, very successful we wrapped it
2: up. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. If we if we have that would be a nice problem to have if we had a thousand users per minute turning up uh, <laughs> 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 uh, all of a sudden. Uh, but uh, but yeah, it means that we can scale up the systems. Uh, we can allow the auto-scaling of systems to um, to scale up naturally without causing. Do pressure on the on the site, and then we maintain it at uh, for at least three hours at the at the, what we consider our peak rate. We generally don't see that during a real peak. Uh, we don't see that level of traffic for that sustained amount of time. But they're just that that giving it more than the, more than we were actually expecting to see just gives us that extra confidence. You know, if we can handle three hours of this uh, of this traffic,
0: we can handle 20 minutes of this traffic. So. Yeah. So, so we're actually overstraining our system for a bit.
1: Oh, very much. We um, <laughs> we take our usual estimates and we uh, we add at least twenty percent, possibly more, depending on uh, how confident we really want to feel about the system. Uh, and then we run at that rate as a minimum. And even then, we tend to overshoot because <laughs> uh, we. Um, 'Cause it's 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 not always the easiest thing to tweak. So we you know, if we overshoot it's not the end of the world. Yeah.
0: This
2: is a bit of a soak test, I suppose, as yeah. well, which is quite good. <laughs> yeah.
0: So so where do these estimates come from? Do we just base them on like historic data? Because you know, Moonpig is, is a growing company, we're still like mm-hmm. increasing how many users come to our site. So yeah, we work with um, we, we we work with our data team, we also work with the finance
1: and marketing teams. Uh, and even the gifts and cards team sometimes to get estimates of uh, what they expect the, uh, what they expect the number of orders to be, but they generally only work on per day. So then we have to look at uh, historical data to uh, approximate what it's going to be throughout that particular peak day. So if we have a day, say four days before the actual peak, we're expecting that to be the peak day uh, we need to be able to run at the level of traffic that we would expect for the peak minute. So yeah, peak traffic on a peak day, uh, sorry, the peak day at six o'clock in the morning, it's still going to be very few orders, but you know, a peak time of day is it's going, going to be considerably higher than a regular day. So we use just data analytics, things like Google analytics, uh, and historic data and, um, the data that we uh, now have from our new data team as well to try and work out an estimate what the peak per minute rate will be. And then we run at that rate.
2: So we've got these tests running um, against our production system. What is it we're actually monitoring at that time? So we, we monitor a number of
1: things. Uh, mainly we monitor error rates and request times. So time to first byte, And uh, also because we have um, because we have a lot of customer images that are uploaded, we also monitor uh, things like IOPS I and memory and throughput. Uh, we have had issues in the past where we've actually run, you know, run network cards beyond 100% of their uh, uh, capability. So we, we do monitor even the data transfer rates as well. Uh, we even monitor things like the CPU usage on the servers. Uh, they're, uh, they're usually a good indication that you're about to hit a problem, not that you're actually having a problem. Uh, yeah they're quite useful to, uh, to monitor as well.
0: So, you, you said basically the way we test this is we use Jmeter. Um, Jmeter basically has scripts that we define of what a normal user, which services a normal user would hit throughout the normal journey. Um, how can we then kind of like, how can we be confident that if we go on a, like API level, that our front end can deal with like the peak load?
1: Mm-hmm. That's a good question. We uh, uh, we mainly just assume that the users' browsers are going to be capable of running the, the, the code. Uh, but it is a little bit more difficult when we have things like the apps because there's certain uh, systems that we can't test directly through there. We can only do it at the API level for our apps. Uh, but we, Well, the way we approach that is we uh, review after the peak uh, what the real load was and what the performance was for people running on the actual on the apps, and try to make sure that that matched up with what we saw during the uh, the actual load test.
2: Okay, so so we're a busy engineering team. I think it's fair to say Uh, the the website changes a lot. Um, we run these load tests to ensure we're okay at peak which have big gaps between them so how often are you running them to ensure that the changes that are being made every day aren't going to cause us a problem for peak and that you catch them in time that we can fix problems should they occur
1: That's a really good question and it was a problem that we had a lot last year uh, because we, uh, we we only just started to learn how to run our load tests last year. And we found that even between, even when the peaks only had like a month between, there were so many web- changes to the website. You know, the difference between uh, optimizing a website for Valentine's Day versus Mother's Day versus Father's Day is, uh, is quite significant, the changes that happen on the website between those things. Um, and the scripts get very quickly out of date. And in fact, Father's Day... Last year was, kind of hit a, a, a real problem with it because we spent about a month just trying to get the scripts back up to date for with, with the, with the changes that happened between Mother's Day and Father's Day, and it's only, what, three months. Uh, so that's, it's a lot of work for one team to do, but also that's not our key. That's not what our team do. We're not the load testing team. It's just something that we do in prep for peaks. So it's not a year round thing. Mm. So what we chose to do was, um, actually have the load test running constantly at a very low level, uh, on our, uh, one of our test environments and what we call our UAT test environment. Uh, and that's ended up with so many nice extra benefits that we weren't expecting it to have, uh, because we've, um, we now got these running, we're able to monitor the responses on those, and it runs every 15 minutes, it updates to the latest versions of the scripts and runs against the this, this, the version of the website, which is just about to go live. And so we get failures within 15 minutes of a website change. And for the most part, we can even narrow down where in the website that uh, change has happened. So we can immediately ask the team who's responsible for that part of the... the uh, the website to have a look at this. You know, what changes have you made within the last few minutes? Uh, can you fix these scripts so to update for your changes? And that's been—it's been a revelation that it's made a huge difference to our workload. We now come into peaks just expecting the tests to work. It's also had a really nice feature that we uh, our UAT test environment was a bit a bit unloved before. And uh, because it's it's a lot of old legacy code in there as well still that we've not quite managed to move over to the new funky technologies that we're moving to at the moment. Uh, A lot of it um, goes cold if you don't use it for 15 minutes and things like that. Uh, So it spins down, and as soon as it spins down, you try and request, and it takes so long that you think it's not working. But because these tests are running constantly, they always have uh, users on them and it keeps them warm. So the, the test environment is kept warm all the time and, and you can basically come to it and you know it's gonna be warm, which is a huge bonus for the development teams for when they want to test something on our test environment. Uh, also, we it means we actually have monitoring on that site now. So we uh, we previously had to turn off all alerting on those because if there's no traffic, if nothing's hitting the site, you can't tell if anything's gone wrong. You know, you're not gonna, your error rates are gonna be meaningless if there's nobody on the site. But now there's people on the site, we can actually monitor those error rates uh, all the time. And we can see if a new piece of code that's about to be deployed to our live environment is going to up the, the error rate, uh, get immediate feedback, uh, and feedback just before it goes into production. So it's, it's like a, an extra level of CI which is uh, just a really nice feature um, and it's uh, you know we um, we also get a, a, a different kind of look at the system as well so one of the one of the issues that a lot of um, websites have is that you don't really get to see what the user sees uh, but because we uh, because the JMeter instances are basically running on in our infrastructure we can monitor them as well so we can monitor what the air, that the users are seeing at the actual front end uh, of these things so if there's suddenly you, you know these things can happen if there's a change right at the edge of your system your own internal monitoring is not going to spot that there's a problem there but if you've got actual clients that are saying you know is it working is it working is it working then you get monitoring on that at, right up to the edge as well so we get really detailed information about uh what the user is seeing uh including things like time to first bite and uh throughputs and stuff like that as well which you don't really see if you're just looking at the insides
2: yeah i see so you're kind of using this as like a canary aren't you Mm. running early and, and giving us that bit of feedback that's that's quite nice um so, so we got these tests running, and hopefully, most of the time, they're giving us a nice, rosy, warm feeling that everything's fine. <laughs> um, what happens? What, what we're getting information. So, what, what happens if the there's a problem? You know, if something's slow or something's using a lot of memory, what what, what do we do? We
1: would do, normally investigate ourselves as a team because we we're actually running the tests. Uh, when we run them in production, in particular, we would. Uh, look at the issue ourselves. And then we go and talk to the team that's responsible for that area of the site and, and help them to investigate the issue and look into it. And uh, we also help them at the point they deploy the fix as well. We can also monitor that that fix is and validate that that fix has worked because we tend to run in the, in the run up to these peaks because we tend to run them once a week. We find that's a good cadence to allow fixes to be deployed and then to be validated uh, uh, within I, a week.
2: And I suppose you can validate it's, them on the UAT environment anyway.
1: Yes, we can, yeah. yeah. The, the, we have issues that only appear on production system, not on our UAT system. Uh, luckily, they're few and far between, but we have had ones of those, and it has allowed us to validate that these fixes have happened before
0: we get into the peak. Uh, peak times. Very nice, and and I guess from because you said JMeter basically spins up instances, right? Because you need to produce the traffic somehow. Um, and I guess when yeah. you do it, you said you do it with a very low load on UAT. I guess it's not that expensive. Mm-hmm. So we um, it's actually the other way
1: around. We we use um, uh, e- AWS ECS. Uh, we create, we write a, create a, Docker image, uh, with the, with J meter in and we just, uh, spin up, uh, a number of Fargate tasks, uh, on, uh, to be, to, to actually generate the load. And that's really nice cause we can literally just change a config parameter and say, okay, we want six of these now instead of mm-hmm. just the one. Uh, and it's, uh, it also gives us a lot of reproducibility of those tests as well. Uh, so, so we know that the tests that we are running on UAT are exactly
0: the same as the ones that are running on production, mm-hmm. because it's the same Docker image. So, what what's like an example of where one of our load tests actually found an issue? Like, what would it look like? So, we've we've had a a number of <laughs> a number of interesting ones. uh
1: the uh, the, the most fun one was. Uh, an issue of a lock on a table. Um, it turned out that uh, when uh, a particular page of the website was being rendered, it would lock the whole table uh, in SQL Server. <laughs> and, uh, of course, anything else that tried to access that table at that point that it was being rendered which was completely blocked. And this, this is an issue that... Under normal traffic levels, just doesn't really become an issue. You get this a page that's not being used very often, and uh, it would mean that uh, you know one or two customers would potentially see a few milliseconds slowdown normally uh, on a normal load. But under under very heavy load, you would see all the customers that are on the website at the same time would see a few second delay in a page render. Uh, because there's just the, the load on the system is just so much heavier, and you end up with queuing of requests in SQL Server, and the, 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 uh, the, actual, the problem becomes magnified a hundred times under heavy load. So that was an interesting problem to find. Uh, we've also had issues that have been more traditional ones, like um, we're just running out of CPU, you know, so, or just running out of memory or just running out of uh, memory bandwidth, absolutely uh, network bandwidth. Uh, they, they, those can it, they can happen. They can, those problems can come about in a very unsurprising way. Uh, so one, one way we ended up running out of network bandwidth, which we unexpected was we actually moved a, we had a, a server that had a number of different .NET based services running on them. And we moved one of those services into their own server. And when it was uh, moved onto its own server, obviously it didn't need anywhere near as big a a server um, as as it previously had. So we moved it onto a a smaller instance type. And what we didn't realize is the smaller instance type have uh, much uh, tighter restrictions on network throughput. So although it was on its own server, and we felt, oh, it's got so many more resources, now it's on its own server. What actually happened is, it ran out of network bandwidth, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and yeah, the inevitable then happened. Everything started to slow down. We started dropping connections, and and uh, the website was not happy.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so we we brought this in house a while back. As you said, in the very beginning, like first we used a third party to do this for us, and of course, in the last or in the time that we have been doing this in-house we, we learned quite a lot so are there any are there any gotchas that you you kind of ran into
1: yeah there's there's quite a few I mean the biggest issue we've always had was uh, the maintenance of the scripts as you mentioned earlier the uh, and we put a lot of effort into this last year to make sure that um, it wasn't us maintaining the scripts <laughs> uh, it was just really important to us you know we don't we don't own the website, we don't understand what changes each of the teams are making. And you know, it would end up almost being as much work uh, for us to make those changes retrospectively than it would be to have the teams to do it in the first place. So the one thing that was really important and made a huge difference was making it nice and environment for other teams to develop in. Uh, having the, uh, the the constantly running on UAT was, a big step for that, but also other issues like we um, we used sort of standard good good coding practices like we had reusable components uh, so there's a component for the search gallery there's a component for checkout there's a component for uh, the home page and landing pages and these are reused across the journeys so whereas previously when we were doing it quite badly we if, you, if somebody changed uh, the way that you selected a product on the search gallery page, uh, you'd have to change it. And I think it was 27 script files <laughs> for every change. It was awful. Uh, yeah. But now, all of those 27 journeys uh, reuse the same uh, fragments, JMeter fragments, over uh, over and over again. And so they just have to change the one fragment. So that's just the, you know, a, standard software good practice, you know, you reuse components, uh, and encapsulation, and making sure that they uh, you don't have to have 27 versions of truth, <laughs> yeah. uh, so that was a, a huge, huge thing. I definitely would recommend anyone uh, making sure they apply the same good practices that they would expect to have in their software to their load testing systems. Uh, other ones that were quite interesting. One that caught us out a lot um, is you have to be kind of aware that you make sure that you are actually simulating how users will behave. So we had a problem. We called it the self-throttling problem. Uh, it turned out well because because way we implemented it originally is we had hundred very fast users <laughs> that would just like run through the website at, at, uh, you know they would go from hitting the website all the way through to checkout in like 15 seconds or whatever and you know no users are that fast
2: cool. they'd love to be uh, i'm sure
1: <laughs> but what 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 and what the way we simulated the number of uh, uh orders was just to have these same users just keep keep going again again and again so every 15 seconds the same user was was making an order, making an order, making an order, making an order. And it looked like we were getting the same order rate that we was expecting uh, on the website from normal users. But what happened is because we had this this constant, like in a loop, as the website slowed down, so if we did start to have any issues, as the website would slow down, then the users would slow down. Uh, So they would, uh, you know, they suddenly would take 25 seconds, 30 seconds for them to run a journey. So it would naturally slow down the order rate. (laughs) And because of that, uh, it would sort of self-correct. It was like the website would slow down so we would get less traffic Mm -hmm. uh, and therefore it would self-correct and it would fix itself. (laughs) Before we realized this was a problem, we we really thought, um, oh, it's great. You know, we have no problems here at all because when we recognized that this problem was, a, was an actual problem, uh, we changed to a system, JMeter has a system that allows you to select the arrival rate, so you have a large set of uh, users and you just say, I want one user to appear on the website every uh, second or whatever. And what it does is it starts the flow, starts the 15 second journey uh, every second, on a different thread and of course then what happens is when this website starts to slow down is you get, rather than the number of users going down, the number of users concurrent users starts to go up yeah. because it takes them longer. They're on the website for longer yeah. and it, um, it means that when you start having problems things tend to sort of go off the cliff rather than self-correct. <laughs> Uh, and that one that one caught us out for a while, and we found a lot of problems that we previously were unaware of when we fixed that. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, so that that's one I would definitely be considering. Make sure you are um, modeling actually how users will behave, not just following the metrics. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and the, the other things would be, the one one last small thing I would suggest is is don't test things that aren't yours. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for 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 a while we were accidentally uh, testing uh, a couple of our third parties uh, that we uh, integrate with, and it turns out that they don't like it when you put a load of traffic through their systems without <laughs> letting them know that that's going to happen.
2: And <laughs> um, what about the tooling, Andy? Is there is there anything um, you know? Would you would you recommend J Meter, cetera?
1: Yeah, we've, um, Jmeter wasn't something we picked. Uh, it was something that was kind of forced upon us, but it's, um, it's one of the sort of more standard tools. It's, it's very battle hardened. Lots of people have used it, and it will pretty much do anything you want it to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not always the nicest thing to, to be developing in. Uh, you know, you have to, it's, it's the script is a big XML document that has a Java based uh, UI to edit. Uh, so it's not very amenable to, you know, programming in, in, in the classical sense. It's a lot of clicking and typing and clicking and typing. Uh, but it, it does work really well. It's, uh, it will solve any problem that you have, JMeter probably has a solution to it, or there's at least a plug-in for it. Uh, uh, so that's so that's great. I'd probably, I probably Even though the UI is not the best, I would still recommend JMeter. Uh, we, one of the things that we did originally was we were using a tool called Taurus to run multiple versions of it. That had the nice feature that you, it allowed you to spawn up many different uh, JMeter instances and monitor them all in one go, which was really nice to start with, but it had, it had a really annoying issue that it's, um, it only had uh, a command line SSH sort of interface and it just, it looked like a retro computer game. It was great. If you're a retro <laughs> computer game fan, it's the tool for you. Uh, it, yep. uh, it's, it looked like uh, something, something, uh, some computer game from the nineties. Uh, it, uh, it was really, it looked really cool, but we had no idea what it was telling us. <laughs> <laughs> it's music to my ears. <laughs> but the, uh, and also because it was just a live tool, it didn't allow us to um, sort of go back and look at the stats later. So what we did is we plugged in uh, Jmeter has a Prometheus plugin and we use Prometheus for our monitoring anyway. Uh, So we actually use Prometheus to do the monitoring now and that's great because it means we can dig into historical stats. We can compare one load test to another from how Jmeter itself actually uh, behaved. And at that kind of level and that's given us a whole new way of looking at how well the load tests have gone these tools seem to work really well for us uh, we've no reason to change them at the moment but we
0: will if we start to have problems we may, we may look at other tools Yeah, as always when you when you hit a certain wall you're going to have to start, for solu- uh, start looking for new solutions alright Andy that was really awesome that was really interesting um, thank you very much for taking your time to speak to us today and um, taking the time to share your knowledge with our listeners as always I have a little question at the end so I want to ask you Manchester or London?
1: Oh definitely Manchester ah. (laughs) 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 Uh, I've lived here for nearly 20 years now and I have no plans
0: to move
2: (laughs) I I might join you up there one day you never know
0: (laughs) Oh yeah well you're always welcome (laughs) All right then thank you very much Uh, Andy. Thank you very much, Richard. uh, And thank you very much, dear listeners. And until soon. Bye
1: bye.
2: Hey, Jacob, I thought that was another great episode.
0: Yeah, wasn't it? It was really good. Yeah, I do have some feedback. How can I get that to you? Oh, great. So you can either send an email to techpodcast at com or tweet at tech. Sure, that's great. I will definitely do that. Thanks, man. Amazing.